This week, HVAC 360 salutes ASHRAE. With more than 57,000 members from over 132 nations, ASHRAE is a diverse organization dedicated to advancing the arts and sciences of heating, ventilating, air conditioning, and refrigeration to serve humanity and promote a sustainable world. Thank you, ASHRAE, and especially to all the great ASHRAE volunteers for all that you do. Everybody, welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. I want to thank you so much for making this podcast part of your day. I really do appreciate it. You probably noticed that I changed up the beginning a little bit. Uh, don't worry. Um, I'm going to be th- back to thinking about more humorous uh, ads in a while. But I just wanted to take a break and thank a couple of organizations and manufacturers this holiday season for the good work they do. And then I will be right back at it. So what do we have up on the docket for this week? This week, we're going to be talking about uh, somebody's, uh, a lot of people's favorite topic, cash, scratch, moolah. Uh, Specifically, we want to focus on what we can expect to make as an HVAC engineer or an HVAC designer. So let's dive right into it. Obviously, we're going to be talking about money in this episode, so fair warning, the information is only as good as the day this is published, so uh, although some of my thoughts are going to be timeless, uh, the same cannot be said for the monetary figure, so you want to be able to do your own research when the time comes. So in general, this is for people uh, wanting to get into the industry uh, or change from a different industry. Uh, to this industry. I guess that's the same thing. Uh, If you're in the industry, you probably already know what the salaries are in your area. Um, This also might apply for if you want to relocate uh, from one area to another. Uh, So you might want to be able to do some research there. A couple of things, and and this really, this topic comes from a couple of questions that I get uh, from listeners. And I just kind of wanted to put my thoughts into an episode uh, although it may not necessarily be the most cohesive and definitive episode that I've ever produced, but I just wanted to get this out there and share some thoughts with you. So I think it's important to really know your situation. You know, are you actually, are you picking a career? Are you right at the beginning? Um, or are you in a career that you don't like that you want to, you want to make a change? Um, this is a great career to do that with because it's one of those careers that is not, uh, you know, labor intensive. Um, it's, it's all in your head. So use your mind, not your back is a favorite saying of mine. And this is definitely one of those occupations that you can do that with, you know, are you going to be another thing you want to be? Are you changing locations? Like I said, um, is this something that you're going from, you know, a small town to a big city or a big city to a medium sized city you know, is this something where you're like, you know what, I'm just tired of the winters. I want to go someplace that's nice and warm and never have to deal with snow shoveling again. Um, that, in fact, might be the case. Or, I, I, you know, I, I just want to go back to where I grew up. I mean, it's, it's simple as that. I get those questions, um, you know, quite a bit. Uh, also, you know, do I need, you know, do I need to, uh, I, I guess an, another question I have uh, gotten is I'm in a different industry, but I need to make a certain amount of money. So what can I expect to make when I make that leap? 
So those are all some of the things that you have to kind of marinate on and think about when you're talking about uh, becoming an HVAC engineer. Now, I'm not necessarily going to get into you know, what that means to be an HVAC engineer because we're just talking about numbers here and some things about you know job hunting and things like that. Another thing you want to know is you want to know what your assets are, you know, what your education, what your past education, what you're going to bring to the table, um, what you might need to supplement. Um, if somebody has a career that you know, they might have an associate's degree, maybe that's an, you, know, you need to uh, think about increasing that to a bachelor's degree and changing that. And does that apply? So those, you know, again, you need to think about that. Yeah, what do you have as far as experience? You know, a lot of people, when they change vocations, uh, they really they really need to take that experience that they've had. Any experience is great experience. And I think that you just need to not necessarily discount that. I think you need to take that and you need to say, hey, you know what? I can reapply it and, um, you know, it, it, there's really kind of different areas that you can kind of focus on. Um, and, and realistically, people, you know, when you get into this job market, you want to be able to make that connection with people. You want to be, uh, your attitude really, uh, really plays a big part in whether or not when you interview for a job, when you, whether or not you're going to get it. Um, and obviously, there's probably a you know, bunch of different podcasts, a bunch of different resources, you know, about interviewing and things like that. So I'm not necessarily going to get into that. Um, what certifications do you have? Um, you know, is this something that, you know, you can get a professional engineering license? Um, and that, that's really kind of kind of critical because that's kind of t- going to determine whether or not you're going to be, you know, an engineer or a designer. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that's definitely a, a thing. Um, it was interesting in doing some of the research. I didn't see a big, as big of difference really between those two, but certainly in general, you're probably going to make less, um, you know, whether it's like 10% less or whether it's going to be 20% less um, as a designer. And that's typically somebody that I define as somebody who doesn't have an engineering degree um, that they can fall back on. So a designer typically is going to be somebody who, you know, got into the industry or gets into the industry and doesn't have that engineering, uh, you know, bachelor's of engineering, and they just work their way up. Truth be told, I know a, you know a couple of people who are designers who are really better than most engineers out there. So, you know, it's nothing to, you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to discount those designers out there. You know, obviously a designer who, who you know busts their ass and you know really does a good job in learning um, can trump an engineer any day. You know, it's all about the details. It's all about you know knowing your stuff and uh, getting in there and applying it. Um, so really, I guess another thing that you need to know is you need to know what your goals are. Where you know, Is this a monetary goal that you're trying to achieve? Is this a location that you're trying to achieve? Is this, um, you know, are you trying to, um, you, know, you know, move into a, a principal position or an ownership position? Is that something that you want to achieve? Um, it's important to know where you want to go, where you want to end up, um, because you can take where you are now and, and that thought process, knowing you need to go and kind of develop a path. Um, and that's kind of, that's going to be important because 
if you identify hurdles along the way, like, hey, you know what, I don't have a bachelor's in engineering and I want to become a professional engineer, that's going to be something that might be a little bit difficult to overcome. Um, obviously, there are different kind of, you know, sub uh, or different uh, different variations on becoming a designer. You know, a lot of people think, you know, being a designer, designing systems, you know, it's it's all great and it's it certainly is fun. But there are some things out there, you know, whether it be project management, um, you know, whether it be construction management, uh, or whether it be commissioning even. Um, these are some of the things that kind of, um, you know, are very close-knit and, 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 and in close relationship to being a HVAC designer, HVAC engineer. So those are all the things that you can kind of uh, think about. Um, now let's get into the range of pay. So first off, obviously, you know, I always encourage people to do their own research. Um, what I did is I jumped online and I went to glassdoor.com and indeed.com, just kind of random job websites uh, that'll give you kind of the what's the low end, what's the high end, what's the median. Um, and obviously, this certainly depends on, you know, your experience, what your background is, what your education is, and, and, and all those things. But typically, uh, so for instance, um, it, you know, I broke it down into a designer and engineer. Um, for Glassdoor, they said, you know, the, the low end um, would be like, you know, 36000 uh, A median salary would be 68000 and the high end would be 81000 You know, again, um, I'll, I'll comment on these uh, numbers a just after, just just after I, I I put that down. So Indeed had a little bit of higher starting salary of fifty four thousand, a median which is higher at seventy two, and a high end um, with lots of experience being ninety one, where you can kind of you know peak out at. Now engineers were on in general they're probably about five to ten thousand dollars higher. Uh, so for uh, Glassdoor the engineer. Um, was uh, for the low end was fifty seven thousand as an entry level probably, um, median was seventy five and high end was one hundred and six. Um, for Indeed, it was uh, low end of fifty six, which is about the same, um, eighty, which was the median, and ninety four. So again, all these numbers are great. You know, you're looking at anywhere from entry level uh, of around. 45 to 55, say, and you're probably in the neighborhood of around 75,000 for a, you know, middle of the road and high end, uh, you could be making six figures. Um, you know, once you, once you really put in your time in the industry and, uh, um, certainly things like that. Now, obviously, uh, the one thing, uh, and, and, and I guess, one of the things that I'll kind of say is that entry level is going to be zero to three years. You know, you break down these these time time frames. Um, this is typically out of school, no experience, and it is going to be pre what they would determine as as kind of a pre PE professional engineering. Um, that's going to be kind of your first first chunk. That's going to be your first group that you'd fall into if you're getting into the industry. Um, now, if you had five to seven years experience, that's going to kind of be in the, you know, you just got your license, you have a bit more experience, you could probably run things on your own. 
Um, and that is kind of your, you know, your, your median area. So if you're looking about looking at it from a, a, a time frame standpoint, um, you know, five to seven years, you really could, uh, you know, that's kind of where the median is, you know, obviously that could go up to 10 years. Um, but you know, once you get into that 10 to 12 to 15 years of experience, now you're, you're starting to get into that higher end of the range. So if you're wondering exactly where those ranges start and stop and end, um, in general, that's going to be where that is. Now that is very location dependent. Um, obviously, and I guess I, I probably should have said this a little bit in the front end, um, I'm talking about uh, th- these are all numbers that are U.S. based, U.S. dollars, U.S. locations, uh, U.S. jobs that I'm uh, looking at. And for the vast majority of my listeners, um, it really does apply. Other than that, um, some of the other things, topics that I might talk about would help more of the, uh, the international audience. So obviously location, 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 that is very dependent um, you know, I always say that, you know, the cost of living, whether you're going to be in New York City or whether you're going to be in um, Indianapolis, whether you're going to be a, sort of like a, a, a mid-range city is going to make a difference. Um, and not only from a standpoint of cost of living, um, because that certainly does apply. Um, you know, obviously $100,000 or, uh, you know, six figures uh, in Cleveland goes a lot farther than six figures in um, you know, $100,000 in uh, New York City. So a lot of things, a lot of benefits, and that's something that you you probably want to think about, um, you know, because this is very portable. Obviously, the number of job opportunities, that plays into effect as well. Now, You know, a couple of things that I, I want to point out is once you're in, obviously you want to make yourself more valuable. Not only is that time frame, but the more that you know, uh, the more that you learn, um, the more valuable you're going to be. Uh, so you really want to invest in yourself. And that is going to pay dividends throughout your career. And understand that it's not your employer's job to do that for you. Obviously, there's probably going to be some help, some assistance from their side to, uh, you know, accomplish this goal in learning and knowing what you're doing. Um, but you really want to be able to do um, and know a lot uh, about what you're doing. And different systems, different systems, different, uh, different pieces of equipment. Uh, so it's always good. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that I use HVAC 364 is just to kind of convey the different types of systems that you're going to be seeing out there. Uh, the different types of equipment that you're going to be seeing out there, and some of the things that you need to need to necessarily watch out for. Um, that's really super. Oh, excuse me. That's really super important. So, some of the questions that I get uh, when I, uh, you know, I'm talking talking to different people is, say, for instance, if you're making over six figures now. Uh, but you need to transition. Uh, can I make the same amount of money? So the easy answer is, you know, typically no, because it's going to take some time. Um, you, depending on how your uh, experience transfers, some people it's going to be a lot easier than others. But, you know, that's one of the things that I really love about HVAC is that you can go, um, 
you know, from New York City to Indianapolis to, you know, Nashville to, you know, Miami, L.A., and anywhere there's buildings, you really you're going to have uh, an opportunity. There's going to be somebody there that's designing projects. You know, when I talk to um, you know middle schoolers, that's typically what I like to kind of convey is that the one great thing about this is that I'm not just locked into making widgets. Um, if you make widgets all your life, and all of a sudden something changes in the economy and nobody wants widgets anymore, you're kind of stuck. Uh, you really have to learn a new system, and it's not always easy. But generally speaking, you know, if you go from area to area, uh, you can always get uh, get a new job. Uh, and uh, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that you got to know um, a couple different things about the codes. Or you know, buildings like this typically include systems such as you know X, Y, and Z. So that's that really the thing that you you can. Um, really encouraging about getting into the HVAC world is something like that. So, uh, so that was that question. Also, um, what if uh, I'm a technician um, or I work in facilities? Is uh, Will additional schooling or classes help me? Um, my answer is not necessarily. Um, I know that there are a lot of excellent programs out there uh, but depending on what you're you're looking at, if you're uh, if you've been doing residential, uh, you're a residential technician for HVAC, um, you might want to get additional schooling. You might not have the exposure um, to some of the systems that you're going to see on a commercial level. Um, so, if that's the case, um, yeah, probably it probably be worth it. But you know, again, I would caution you on spending a lot of money. Um, the fact is, is that if you if you're like, hey, you know, there's this program, and it's going to be you know thousands of dollars to kind of go through the program, and it might be over two years. Um, think about what you could spend that money on otherwise, because realistically, you know, this is not rocket science. Um, if you can find some things that are more focused that can help you get up to speed quicker, I think your money is better spent uh, that way. You know, especially if you're coming from, say, a facilities or a technician standpoint and your educational background um, might be an associate's degree. It might not necessarily, you know, if, if, if you're not going to uh, be able to get to that next step um, as far as being becoming an engineer, uh, getting that bachelor's in engineering. Um, and, and, and as far as the U.S. goes, ABET, uh, ABET accredited engineering uh, is very important um, because you need to know exactly what qualifies, you know, what will qualify you to become a professional engineer. So if your career path, you can get to that professional engineer with the education that you have, or if you can supplement that education and get to that level, that's going to be something that you want to jump on. Um, if, if you're really, if you're really dedicated to being an HVAC engineer, if you can get to that professional engineering license, that's going to be your golden ticket because that, that really sets you apart and gets you into a different echelon. That being said, obviously being an HVAC designer, completely okay. Um, and you know, it's all about knowing, knowing stuff. So don't worry about that. If you're, you know, a technician and you're like, you know what, I just, if, if I have to haul another compressor up a set of stairs, you know, it's, it's going to kill me. Yeah, definitely. This might be an option for you. You know, facilities guys, 
They want to, you know, they like the idea of uh, knowing systems or designing systems. And especially, you know, and especially from this standpoint, you know, your experience is really gold to the designers um, because a lot of designers don't get that feedback from the field, from, you know, working on installed equipment, working in, you know, knowing what uh, goes wrong in reality. They just have a, you know, a designer's mentality where they're like, okay, uh, this should work. This is great stuff, you know, and it's brand new. But what happens when the equipment gets old and needs to be, you know, it's it's broken and needs to be replaced, needs to be fixed. Um, they don't have that perspective to improve their designs like that. So um, don't think that you're coming at it from uh, an inferior position. Uh, you just have to understand and kind of value the um the experience that you already have. So don't throw that out. Use that and um, just be smart about it. Again, if you, you know, if it's, if it's just for a certificate, you know, it's probably not, probably not worth it. But again, if it can get, get you to that next level, um, then I might consider it. Obviously, if I want to change locations, what can I do? Um, this is where ASHRAE gets back into it. And in fact, you know, again, um, going back to the, the technicians wanting to take classes, uh, ask somebody who's, you know, actually an HVAC designer, HVAC engineer. Try to find those people and ask those questions. Do you think this would help me get into the industry? You know, if, the, if it's not the case, then, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, somebody that, you know, you can use as a mentor. Take their advice. Um, as far as changing locations, ASHRAE has chapters all over the place. And there is no better way to be able to identify people and to net start networking even before you even change locations. You can do that. Um, and that is, you know, obviously super cool. I mean, it's, it's ASHRAE is a volunteer organization, you know, especially at the local chapter level. Just get in there. And it's, <laughs> this, is not, this is not a ton of work. This, but it, what it does is it gives you a great network of people who are committed in the area uh, to be able to expand your knowledge and really get in there. I mean, everybody, once you become somebody, you know, you're kind of labeled if, if you're a new person and you are labeled as somebody who's going to get in there and help um, and volunteer, people want to do stuff for you. So that really can be a bonus in changing locations. Um, also, you want to be able to um, identify the, uh, the area. You want to research good firms to work for. Again, great time to ask some of the people that you've networked with at ASHRAE to be able to say, hey, where are the good, you know, the good engineering firms? There are some engineering firms out there that it may not be your cup of tea. It may not necessarily be what you want to do. Um, there are firms out there, and, and not all firms are the same because you're going to get firms that do uh, a lot of retail projects. And the one thing you want to know and realize is that depending on what type of project they do, um, you're going to have a different pace. Like retail projects, um, they're going to be very, uh, they're going to be towards the cookie cutter end. Um, they're going to be, a, you know, a variation on a theme. They know what they want to do. They're going to do it fast. They're going to put in the, you know, the information, um, you know, and, and it's all about doing it quickly and doing it, you know, a really good job at it. And there are some firms that that is their niche. So different firms have niches. And there are firms out there that just do, you know, healthcare, that just do education. Um, there are firms out there that are going to be, um, 
you know, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, for, for relocation, is there a firm um, where you want to move to? Say, for instance, you want to you be able to move, um, you're working in San Francisco now, and you want to move to L.A. Well, is there a company that actually has a office in L.A. and also in San Francisco? So can you get a job today working in San Francisco and then transfer down to L.A.? Um, is is that is that one of those things that you can kind of pull off? I mean, there are there are firms out there that are larger that have um, you know different offices all over the country. Uh, so that might be something that you know you know you want to do. I mean, and, and that doesn't necessarily have to be within California. It could be like, hey, I'm in San Francisco. I want to go to New York, um, and that in fact you know could be your ticket to being relocated and relocated easily. Um, so those are some of the things that you can you can definitely take a look at. Um, a lot of times too, when you're when you're looking to change locations, I want to point this out that firms in general, um, and I, this is a broad sweeping statement. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, firms in general don't really do a great job with depending on their size with advertising jobs. Um, there, it might be a case where you have managers who go, you know, they just think to themselves, hey, I need, uh, man, if I could hire more engineers, I would do it today. If I could find the right people, I would do it today. Uh, but they never, never advertise. Or they advertise in a place that people don't look. So it doesn't help them out. And so if you find a location or a organization uh, or a company that you want to work for, um, go ahead and you know reach out to them. Reach out to the the engineering manager. Uh, obviously, the you know if you call up and want to talk to a the mechanical engineering manager, uh, that's going to get you right to the you know a specific person in an organization. And usually there is that type of person. There's usually an engineering manager or a mechanical engineering uh, manager, and you can kind of you know call in and get right to them. And figure out, you know, who that person is. Obviously, you know, use things like LinkedIn to figure out exactly, you know, who's what in a company. So you can do a little bit of research on your own. And that's a way to kind of get in there. Um, so those are some of the ideas if you want to, you know, change location or if you just want to kind of, you know, I guess those are some great ideas just to do a job search. Now, I, I get a question all the time. What about going through a, a placement service or, or so-called uh, headhunters? Um, now, I do have a couple opinions on that. Um, understand that their fees are pretty high. So if a company goes to a headhunter or a placement service, um, the fees you know, could be in the 20 to 30% range of your annual salary. So when you think about it, if your salary was, say, you know, $60,000, um, it may be you know, twelve to eighteen thousand dollars just to find a candidate like you. That's the kind of fee that companies are paying. So when I say, "Hey, go direct to the company," you know, that might be your best bet. Realize that you could be saving them thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, so very typically, very expensive. Um, and you know, in my experience. Um, they don't really know the HVAC or the engineering community real well. Um, they're trying. They have a lot of candidates. They're trying to make it. You know, trying to make a, a match and play matchmaker. But they're not. You know, they're 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 more interested in letting the the uh, employer make the determination on whether it's a good match or not. Um, 
rather than, you know, trying to be selective about it. I mean, they're, they're obviously they're going to make, you know, they don't want to be wasting the time of the employers, but in the same regard, if there's somebody who generally fits the description um, that the employer are, is looking for, uh, they're going to go for that. That's a, that, I guess that's an, another thing is that the description, uh, if you look, if you're like, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search up on some of these job boards and I'm going to f- try to find a, uh, a company that is you know, looking for something and you look at the description and you're like, you know, that doesn't match me. That doesn't fit what I do, what I would bring to the table. Um, go for it anyway. Start the conversation. Um, if you're a good candidate, they might try to make uh, make you fit. So, or or find a position for you. They're like, well, you know what? I've been you know trying to find a senior engineer for you know two years now with no luck, and here is a uh, engineer with some experience. Um, might as well go with somebody that, you know, that I can find rather than somebody that I've been searching for a long time and have no idea where they're at, um, and have not had much luck. Lastly, about the headhunters, I, you know, obviously going through that process, um, is better than nothing. It's better than staying unemployed. It's better than, you know, obviously you should be doing, you should not necessarily be, looking for a job, your optimal situation would be that you already have a job that you you want to transition from and you're going to another job. Um, that would be the ideal situation and you don't want to necessarily quit one job before you can find another one. Um, but, you know, you really sometimes you get in a hard play, you know, in a, uh, a real jam and you want to be able to, you know, get employed. You want to start making money again. Um, so that's kind of the situation where, you know, placement services may um, may do you uh, a good, but again, uh, I would caution you. I, and I, I know I've heard before, um, about placement services, charging you as a, um, a candidate fees, uh, trying to, you know, uh, get money out of you. And that's something that, that I have not, um, I don't condone and I haven't necessarily seen it. I've heard about it. But if you get into a situation like that, I would kind of step back and say, you know what, um, I'm going to try different routes because there are, you know, multiple headhunters out there, um, uh, search firms, professional recruiting firms um, that are going to go out there and, you know, you're, they're not going to charge you a fee to find you a job. Um, that is the last thing that you want to be able to or that you want to do. That's why some of the fees are, you know, pretty high on the employer side is because, you know what, they're the ones that, you know, have the need uh, of finding somebody. And they really, those, you know, the companies have the deeper pockets uh, as opposed to employees. All right. Hope you have learned something. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you know somebody who's looking for uh, this type of knowledge, consider passing this episode along. This, by far, is the best thing, really, that you can do uh, for me, for HVAC 360, and for the the, the whole group. Um, If you want to do something more, here's uh, three simple asks that that you could do. Um, If you're not a subscriber, consider joining the growing community of people just like you over at HVAC360.com. And signing up for my weekly newsletter, where we, you know, I, I share more things um, with you. Obviously, uh, uh, I'd ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel that we're uh, trying to kick off and get going. And lastly, I'd be greatly honored uh, anybody who wanted to leave me a rating and review on uh, Apple Podcasts. So 
All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know. Thank <laughs> you.